nagging. Naturalist. It's the Nagging Naturalist Podcast. Hey everyone, and welcome to another mini-sode for the Watson. Mini-sodes like these are designed to have additional discussions about the highlighted species of the month or other talks about conservation. This segment is called Convergence, and this is where I will discuss convergent adaptations about the animal of the month. Certain traits can be so successful in nature that they can evolve more than once, and sometimes even in unrelated species or groups of animals. So I will be comparing some of the adaptations of the Watson against unrelated animals that share very similar adaptations. Before we get into the episode, though, I did want to cover a little bit of business. The first one is the scavenger hunt. Remember, we still have a month-long scavenger hunt going on, and you can join at any time to do it. The scavenger hunt will end August 27th at 12 p.m. You can find details about the scavenger hunt on all of my social media, or you can reach out to me. I have posts that you can uh, reference that will tell you what the rules and topics are and how to submit your uh, pictures to me for the scavenger hunt. I did also want to announce that I have some special plans for September. Because I am pretty bogged down with school, I wanted to shift away from the Animal of the Month again for September and possibly even November and try something new. And basically what I hope to do is to lend my platform to some wildlife experts. And it's not necessarily going to be interviews. I am basically letting them create their own content to present through my platform. So it's basically going to be kind of like a takeover rather than something like an interview where they are going to produce 100% of the content that they want and my participation is likely going to be minimal. I have offered to assist or to be present if they want, but for the most part, my guests have free reign of the uh, content of the episodes. So it's, it's going to be very different and it's certainly going to be very interesting. I've never done anything like this in my very brief podcast so far, and if it works out really well, I'm hoping to also do it into November because in addition to my college work, November is also National Novel Writing Month, which is something I like participating in because I enjoy writing for fun. So I would like to be able to focus on that and my schoolwork, which means that either the podcast will have to take a break during November, or if I continue to do these takeovers in November, then all I have to do is edit the end product of what the wildlife experts produce and give it to you guys. So we'll see what happens. We'll see how well this goes. I'm, I'm very hopeful that this is going to go well. The people that I've reached out to have been extremely receptive, and I'm very excited to try this out. And if this does prove to be a good model, then I will definitely try it again in November to help lighten my load but still help produce content for y'all. I want to make sure that these experts are really having a chance to convey the things that they want because typically in interviews, in most cases... The interviewer is the one guiding the conversation, and the interviewee can try to interject where they want to, but it can be restrictive at times, though, depending on the person who's doing some of the interviewing, and I know what it's like to be restricted in how you're allowed to message people, even if you feel like 
you have a message inside of you that you think is important and should be shared. So that's that's my goal with this is one, to make sure that I'm still producing content for everybody, and two, also letting these people tell the message that they have and that they want to share, basically. So that's all I have for business. So let's move into the episode. I want to cover two of the Watson's adaptations, their functional wing claws and their ruminant-like digestive system. The wing claws have often been said to exhibit how ancient the Watson's lineage is. However, species can lose and reacquire adaptations, so the presence of this trait isn't necessarily ancient. While functional wing claws on modern birds are not very common, throughout early bird evolution it was a very common trait, and some groups of modern birds still possess vestigial wing claws, such as the screamers. It should be noted that wing claws are distinct from bone spurs that some bird species have. Sometimes those things get confused. Claws will grow from digits, things that are meant to be like fingers or toes, while spurs will usually protrude from things like joints. So a lot of birds have spurs, especially bone spurs. Not all birds have vestigial or functional wing claws. Of the modern birds that we know of, only two types of birds possess functional wing claws, the Watson and the Turicos. Watson chicks have a pair of wing claws on each of their wings, extending from the first and second fingers. From what I've read, only certain Turico species, like the white-cheeked Turico, develop and use wing claws when they're juveniles, and then, like the Watson, they shed their claws as they fledge and mature into adults. Both types of these birds use the wing claws to assist in climbing and to balance because they are both arboreal birds, meaning they're spending a lot of time in the trees, and they both are herbivorous and eat lots of vegetation. Watsons were once thought to be related to turricos due to the presence of the wing claw in juveniles and their herbivorous diets, but as I mentioned in the Animal of the Month episode, DNA evidence has largely discredited this notion, though some people do still believe it. Since the Watson and turricos have been shown to not likely be close relatives, their wing claw adaptation is an example of convergent evolution. Next up, we have the Watson's ruminant-like digestive system, which might be their most unique adaptation. Ruminants are animals that possess a rumen, which is the first chamber of their stomachs that utilize bacteria to ferment and break down the vegetation they eat. Ruminants include animals that we are very familiar with, such as cows, sheep and goats, deer, giraffes, gazelles, and so on. Now, the Watson does not possess a rumen, however, their digestive tract does utilize bacterial fermentation to assist in the breakdown of the leaves that they eat, and leaves are extremely hard to digest. If you heard about this in biology as a kid, meat is easier to break down and digest than leaves. You have to have very specific adaptations to be able to consume vegetation and actually gain nutrients from it. So for the Watson to be able to digest these leaves, they have a slightly different adaptation, which is an enlarged crop. The crop is a special pouch that is found in most bird species. 
It is located in the gullet, so along their esophagus, and it serves different purposes depending on which group of birds we're talking about. The crop of the Watson is very large. It's so enlarged that it actually makes them ungainly, which is a big part of why they are poor flyers, is their bodies are unbalanced by this very large crop. Within their crop, they have a symbiotic bacteria that assists in the breaking down of those leaves, similar to how the ruminants use bacteria. They acquire this bacteria when they are young from their mothers, who regurgitate food to feed their chicks, and then within that regurgitation from the mothers comes that symbiotic bacteria that is being passed on to the young. So very much like the ruminants, rumen is the first stop in digestion that utilizes bacterial fermentation for their plant-based diet, the crop is where the Watson food begins being digested via bacterial fermentation as well. So it's kind of in different parts of the body. The rumen is a chamber of the stomach, so it's, it's in the main part of the body and not the esophagus. However, both of these uh, types of animals do have a specialized organ or part of an organ that has bacteria in it for fermentation. And obviously, mammalian ruminants are not even remotely closely related to this bird species. Thus, the adaptation is very much convergent evolution because they have both adapted very similar techniques for breaking down their food, despite being very distantly related. Now, chances are the Watson developed this in order to fill a niche within their ecosystem where there was very little competition. If there wasn't a lot of animals consuming leaves where the Watsons lived, learning to eat leaves to gain energy would be a big advantage because you have very little competition taking away resources from you or that you have to fight for resources from and they have a very plentiful food source because they live in a rainforest where there is vegetation available year-round. So it's a win-win situation for the Watson. And, of course, this special adaptation is also where they get their stinky reputation from. So anybody who has lived on a farm or visited a farm, or even if you've gone to zoos where they have ruminant species like giraffes around, you'll notice sometimes when you pass by these areas where these animals live, it's a little funky. <laughs> it usually stinks. And a part of that is the fact that these animals have this special fermenting digestive system to break down vegetation. The Watson having that very similar adaptation can be a pretty gassy bird, and it produces manure-like fumes due to that digestion. It is possible that their very disagreeable odors have actually prevented them from experiencing some of the sharp declines that other birds, more attractive birds of the rainforest, have. While the Watson is undoubtedly a very strange and ancient-looking bird that could have found appeal in things like the pet trade, there's a good chance that the funky smells that they put out have actually spared them that fate. So while we've seen macaws and other colorful, vibrant parrots and birds decline due to collection for things like the pet trade, the Watson's actually been able to avoid a lot of that, and its biggest threat remains things like habitat loss. So that's all I have for this week. Thank you so much for listening in on this mini-sode. Don't forget that I have that Watson-themed scavenger hunt still going on until August 27th. 
The voting period will happen after that, and the grand prize will be a Watson enamel pin, with runner-up prizes being Watson stickers. The details are posted on my social media, but again, like I said, feel free to reach out to me if you have any comments or questions. My email is thenaturalist at thenaggingnaturalist.com, and you can check out my website, thenaggingnaturalist.com. I'm also on social media. You can find me under The Nagging Naturalist on Facebook and Instagram, as well as on Twitter under the handle at nag underscore naturalist. You can also help support the podcast by leaving reviews on Apple Podcasts or podchaser.com. Thanks again for listening, and I'll be back next week with more about the wonderful world of wildlife.